0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, June 22nd. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Tonight, the California Report brings us a look at a multi-part investigation into Cal Fire. The CalMatter series exposes a hidden epidemic of mental health problems in the state's firefighting department. Then we'll take a look at local news and weather. For those who don't have econ degrees or finance backgrounds, our Federal Reserve interpreters are back. KVMR's Paul Emery and Gary Zimmerman are here to make sense of all things numbers with the Economic Report. And join us as we remember Ernie Kane, Nevada City fixture and longtime bartender at The National,
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom's plan to compel severely mentally ill Californians into treatment has cleared its latest legislative hurdle, despite concerns from civil liberties advocates. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarotti has more. Orange County Senator Tom Umberg says
2: the care court plan he's backing, which would have a judge oversee mental health treatment, is voluntary, though there's a price for not participating.
1: If you choose otherwise and you choose not to participate, not to cooperate, then the alternative typically is conservatorship.
0: That is, in fact, involuntary treatment.
1: Shanique Williams is with the prison
2: reform group Dignity and Power Now.
0: And that involuntary treatment, as far as the Black community is concerned, is an extension of the carceral system.
2: San Jose Assemblyman Ash Kalra echoed those concerns, but was the only vote against the bill in the Judiciary Committee. The bill now moves to the Assembly Health Committee. For The California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati.
1: A bipartisan bill that's making its way through Sacramento would require social media companies to publicize their policies for why they remove problematic content on their platforms. The bill's author, Southern California Assemblyman Jesse Gabriel, says with the amount of hateful rhetoric online, it's time for these big companies to explain their decision-making process for this type of content.
3: The public deserves basic transparency and accountability from big tech. It's time for social media companies to step out of the shadows and to come clean about how they are responding to the avalanche of hate online.
1: Assemblyman Gabriel introduced a similar bill last year that stalled over free speech concerns. But he says he's added amendments this time around that make it clear that lawmakers are not trying to censor content. The California Chamber of Commerce, along with other tech trade groups, have voiced opposition to the measure, saying so-called bad actors would still find ways around these added protections. This week, we're profiling some investigations into CAL FIRE, that's the state's firefighting department. Today, we turn to a series from the news outlet, CalMatters, and what its reporting says is a mental health crisis among firefighting crews. CAL FIRE doesn't track suicide or PTSD data within its ranks, but dozens of its firefighters across all levels of seniority spoke to CalMatters. They describe what sounds like a hidden epidemic of mental health problems within one of our state's most crucial group of workers. Here's one voice from that series. Jeff Burrow, a CAL FIRE battalion chief in Riverside County. I can't in good conscience tell uh, a new employee uh, that it's a place that I would recommend they stay under the circumstances. They can't do it because I'd be lying. We've had 80% of our guys in a single station go through a divorce in the calendar year because they haven't been home. Cal Matters journalist Julie Card is reporting this four-part investigation into the mental health challenges facing firefighters, and she joins us now. Hi, Julie.
4: Hi, good to be with you, Saul.
1: Can you start by telling me about the early stages of your reporting on this story? How did some of these patterns start emerging to you?
4: Well, I originally thought about the language I was hearing from Cal Fire Chiefs and from the US Forest Service leaders for the first time in the last couple of years, we heard them talking rather candidly about fatigue, stress, PTSD, injuries in a way that is not common in the fire service. These are stoic folks who can do, they rarely talk about their problems in that way or give any inkling that there are any. So I was um, thinking, all right, I'm going to do a story about guys being tired. (laughs) And as I got into it, I began to realize it was quite a bit more than that. And it it, it morphed into these four parts.
1: How have these kind of problems and what firefighters are wrestling with, how have they, how come they've been off of the radar for so long Or, or have they been?
4: You have so many barriers to getting help, which start with recognizing your own problems which i guess i'm not handling this well um then you have to seek help and these guys have a a a very real concern about what might happen in their career if they say yeah i had a hard time on that fire i saw something or experienced something that i found traumatic and i can't get it out of my head um that's that's trauma but they worry that that will have implications uh, in in their career in in terms of uh, being promoted and things like that. And then there's the difficulty in actually getting the help um, in a in a state where most of our firefighters live in these rural areas, where mental competent mental health uh, clinicians are really hard to find. And then when they can find somebody, very often those people are not interested in working with worker comp cases because of the Uh, burden of a lot of bureaucracy and they feel they're not being compensated. So it's a long road to getting help. And um, this is happening to people who are acutely damaged at the moment and need help. They don't want to wait. And some of them don't.
1: And finally, what is the bigger picture here beyond the community of Cal Fire f- firefighters? What's at stake for all of us as Californians in a state that increasingly has more and more wildfires? And these are the people we rely on to put those fires out and to be there the next time.
4: Yeah, you can see this as a workplace uh safety issue in a way. We've all been sitting in a plane uh, at a gate where there's an announcement that says, uh, hang on, everybody, we're looking for a pilot because uh, the crew that we had had been working too long. There are laws uh, and regulations in place for pilots and and people who uh, drive trains who have public lives and and safety in their hands and they don't want them to make decisions when they're fatigued and understanding that you you're not at your best yet with our firefighters who are on the lines they make a they make a mistake or an error in judgment they're putting themselves in jeopardy potentially their crewmates and ultimately the public
1: all right that is cal matters journalist julie cart julie thanks so much for joining us on the california report
4: it's good to be with you Saul.
1: Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing
5: in California's underserved youth. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org slash health equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org.
1: All right, that is the California Report for Wednesday, June 22nd. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Now let's take a look at today's regional news. Organizers of last Saturday's downtown Nevada City Pride celebration say it was canceled due to an abundance of caution. Nevada City Council member and co-organizer Daniela Fernandez says, quote, with the rising number of attacks on Pride events across the nation, it became clear we couldn't ensure the safety of participants, particularly in a street event. The celebration was originally slated to take place on the newly renovated Commercial Street Promenade. Fernandez says police dispatch, the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce, and council members have been at the receiving end of concerning comments and aggressive displays of homophobia. This added to the decision to call off Saturday's event. Compounding these factors, Fernandez states, is the LGBTQ plus community's history of not feeling protected by law enforcement during such gatherings. Stuart Baker, Nevada City Chamber of Commerce Executive Director, says organizers were forced to cancel the celebration due to insurance reasons. Fernandez disputes this, claiming insurance issues had been ironed out. This reported by the Union of Grass Valley. The Nevada Theater will once again be home to movies. The Onyx Theatre and Historic Downtown Nevada Theatre have announced their collaboration, culminating in the creation of the Onyx Downtown. The inaugural run begins June 26th with film screenings hosted by the Onyx in the Nevada Theatre on Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. The organization says the Onyx Downtown will participate in community and nonprofit partnerships whenever possible. A press release in The Prospector says, quote, the Onyx downtown will play a role in advocacy and fundraising efforts, as well as cinema appreciation. Turning our attention to regional weather, the National Weather Service's Heat Advisory will see us through this evening. The warning is in effect until 10 p.m. tonight for the Sacramento Valley and Sierra foothills. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 65. Thursday, sunny with a high near 90. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 50. Thursday, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 11 a.m. Mostly cloudy with a high near 77. The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement for the Truckee-Tahoe region. As temperatures rise in the area, thunderstorms are expected each afternoon into the weekend. Lightning may accompany these thunderstorms, creating the potential for wildfires. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 66. Winds could gust as high as 18 miles per hour. Tuesday, sunny and hot with a high near 100. You're listening to the evening news on KVMR. Does talk of the country's inflation rate make you want to bury your head in the sand? KVMR's Paul Emery and econ whiz Gary Zimmerman are back to hold your hand while tackling the numbers.
3: This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kelb, Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street, Nevada City at rickkelb.com. Well, Gary, lots of economic news in the past couple weeks. Uh, let's look at some of the highlights. Let's start with the Federal Reserve. It, it made headlines because of raising interest rates to fight inflation. A lot of us don't understand that. Can you explain it to us?
2: Well, Paul, last month after the Fed met, uh, Fed Chair Jay Powell said the Fed was watching for, I think he put it as clear and convincing signs that the inflation that we're seeing, the high inflation, was fading or slowing. Uh, But he also said that if inflation pressures and indicators weren't slowing, then the Fed would have to take faster and, and more aggressive action to raise interest rates to slow the economy and to slow inflation as well um so you know big picture the fed needs to take away the stimulus from low interest rates that was necessary to get the economy recovering from the deep 2020 covid recession and and by 2021 the economy had been growing faster than normal and was you know already at or near full employment so conditions that could add to inflationary pressures so you know with the impacts of covid and supply chain supply chain disruptions you know since 2020 and with you know the 2022 shock to the global economy and especially energy and food prices caused by the war in ukraine and the economic sanctions on russia you know the in the inflation rate has become more persistent and risen faster than it would have uh, then would have been anticipated. And, and so at this point, Fed, Fed policymakers need to act to, to slow inflation.
3: Well, what action did the Fed take? Um, I think it was just last week.
2: Yes, the, the action that got the most notice was the Fed raising the overnight interbank uh, loan interest rate, or it's called the Fed funds rate, uh, by three quarters of a percentage point from three quarters to one percent range, uh, all the way up to one and a half to one and three quarters percent range. And this was the first three quarters percent increase in you know nearly uh, three quarters. Uh, nearly three decades so it's you know also was much larger than the one half a percent increase that was expected just a, a month or two ago and so you know that means higher borrowing costs for business and consumers and and will tend to slow the economy you know and, and one other thing just quickly in june fed also began to gradually reduce the size of its assets which are you know at about nine trillion dollars today and that's an action that puts you know also puts upward pressure on longer term market interest rates or you know we might call that quantitative tightening.
3: Were these Fed decisions to raise interest rates by three quarter of a percent in June and indicating in the statement after the meeting that the Fed could do the same again in July? That's a surprise. Or did the markets expect that to happen? And how about you? Were you surprised on this?
2: Well, the tighter monetary policies or higher interest rates, uh, were they anticipated? I would say yes, absolutely. The Fed chair's comments in May were a a clear signal that if the inflation numbers didn't peak or begin to fall, the Fed would have to move more aggressively against inflation. You know, and, and as everyone knows who's bought Food, gas, seen rent increases, or bought a used car, knows that the overall inflation rate is, you know, far above the Fed's two percent inflation goal. And, you know, depending on which measure of inflation you look at, the overall inflation rate for the economy is somewhere between six and nine percent over the past year. You know, it's way above the Fed's two percent goal. You know, and some critics obviously think the Fed had, has waited too long, and you know, still has a long way to go using its primary policy tool, you know, raising interest rates, to. to to be able to slow inflation uh, before it gets worse. So, you know, that's a that's a concern.
3: Gary, are there solid economic explanations as why inflation has risen so much and so fast? What's causing the inflation that we are now seeing, you know, in the at the stores and especially at the gas pump?
2: Paul, let me let me uh, look at something was done recently by Mark Zandi, the chief economist for Moody's Analytics and uh, a well-respected economic forecasters. And this week he he attributed about one third or, you know, you could say roughly three percent of the inflation to COVID and the COVID related supply chain issues that that haven't gone away quickly as they were once expected to. And, you know, this is a global issue. This is happening everywhere, not just in the U.S. And then Zandi attributed another third. So another, you know, roughly three percent of a nine percent inflation rate uh, to the shock to the global economy from the inflation. Excuse me, from the invasion of Ukraine. You know, the war has caused prices to rise globally, uh, both as a result of the war and as a result of the sanctions on the Russian economy, and that's you know especially driven up um, global oil and gasoline prices and uh, grain and food prices. So you know, and I think it's important to emphasize that the the war was an inflation shock, but One that no one could have anticipated back in 2021 when they were expecting the covid inflation to begin to fade as uh, as the pandemic faded. So some good reasons.
3: Gary, there's been lots of talks about a recession and what currently are the labor market indicators showing?
2: Well, the preliminary data for the first quarter uh, showed that the economy was essentially flat with little or no change in GDP, gross domestic product, um, from, from the prior quarter. So you know, output is basically flat. You know, On the positive side, at least through May, the U.S. employment and unemployment data remained robust. Um, The U.S. economy added almost 400,000 jobs in May um, and the unemployment rate remained very low at only 3.6 percent of the labor force. So that's that's good news. But, you know, the the qualifier there is that labor uh, labor market indicators tend to be lagging indicators. So they may there may be a while, even if the economy is slowing before they, they start slowing down. You know, and while the economy rebounded rapidly from the severe 2020 recession with, you know, strong part from combination of low interest rates and and, uh, surges in government spending, Um, you know, as the Fed raises interest rates to slow the economy, uh, you still have COVID going on. You still have the uncertainty coming from the the effects from the Ukrainian war continuing. And all, all of those things, of course, add to the risk of a recession in, you know, at the end of 2022 or in 2023.
3: Well, how do the indicators of the June economic projections indicate a recession?
2: Well, the Fed um, policymakers' June projections, I think, remain pretty optimistic that they can meet the challenge of slowing the economy and inflation without causing a recession. Their most recently published Projections for the economy in June. Yeah, you know, I don't think really indicate a recession. However, you know they have lowered their above-average uh, projections for growth in the economy for 2022 and 2023. Um, and those are now in, in June. They lowered them to basically average growth of about 1.7 percent a year for 2022 and 2023. So they've they've lowered the growth for. Pro- projections. Um, And, you know, with slower growth through the economy, the Fed policymakers are then projecting slight increases in the unemployment rate for 2022 and 2023. But but they still see the unemployment rate remaining below 4% at the end of both years. So, you know, not a huge effect. Um, So, you know, the policymakers at the Fed are not projecting a recession, but it's you know, it's a pal- it's a real challenge to get policy right to make a soft landing that slows the economy and brings the inflation rate down to the Fed's target without slowing it too much and causing a recession.
3: Gary, thank you very much and we look forward to talking with you in a couple of weeks.
2: Okay. Thank you, Paul. Take care.
3: Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the San Francisco Federal Reserve and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance.
0: Up ahead, a time to reflect on an important member of Nevada City. Longtime national bartender Ernie Kane has passed away at the age of 82. KBMR's Felton Pruitt and Joni Saxa remember.
6: We're talking with Joni Saxa. She was a bartender at the National for many, many years with Ernie Kane, who passed away earlier this week. Uh, it's a very sad thing. Ernie was a fixture here in Nevada City and at the National, wasn't she,
5: Joni? She very much was. We actually lost an icon of Nevada City and the National Hotel. She was uh, just turned 82 years old. And uh, I really think everyone has an interesting and fun memory of her through the years she was beloved by by all and i'm grateful myself of all the fun memories of working with her for 20 years at the national and then i also worked with her for several years uh back in the day of the coach house it's just a a sad sad day and uh she was one of a kind for sure and ernie Rest in peace.
6: And she was uh, Tom Coleman's partner, who everybody knew Ernie and Tom from the National for so so many years. So it's a kind of a, a changing of the guard here in, in Nevada City with the uh, passing of Ernie.
5: Uh, I agree, and uh, they were quite a couple, and I think they were together for probably about thirty years or so. It's just uh, not going to be the same, like you said, changing of the guard. She'll definitely be missed. In- everybody knew ernie so i just think about all the people with their fun stories i hope they they share them and and keep her memory alive
6: do you have any information about a memorial that might happen
5: i believe at this time they're going to have a memorial at the nevada city elks lodge on saturday the 23rd
6: that would be saturday july 23rd
5: right i was going to say also we're doing a karaoke party at the Elks on July 16th that we will do a tribute to Ernie there.
6: Thank you very much for all the information, Joni.
5: You're welcome, Salton.
0: That's our newscast for this Wednesday, June 22nd head on over to our website at kvmr.org for the extended version of this week's Economic Report with Gary Zimmerman, or listen wherever you get your podcasts. kvmr.org is also where you'll find anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from New Life Nursery, a Penn Valley neighborhood nursery carrying unique ornamentals, California native plants, Organic veggies and herbs, plus supplies Nevada County gardeners and professionals need to support gardens and landscapes. New Life Nursery, pv.com. And Prosperity Lanes, offering 18 lanes of solar-powered bowling. With group and special needs accessibility, blacklight bowling, also league bowling. Shirley's Grill serves salads, breakfast, burgers, and beer. Open daily, prosperitylanes.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director, Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.